Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School in Sherman Center. That's Random Lake, Wisconsin. We're in Sheboygan County, just north of uh, Milwaukee, about 40 minutes north of Milwaukee, and I don't know, 25 minutes from Sheboygan. So I'm glad to have you with us here all today for our Congregation of Prayer. It is the last week of Advent, uh, but it also is Christmas week since Christmas falls this year on Friday. So uh, we're going to actually repeat a couple readings that we had last week, or maybe the week before. So we'll revisit those a little bit, um, but uh, have a different sort of catechesis today on those texts rather than the questions and answers, as we're used to. We'll hear from Luther uh, from the large catechism. Good morning. It looks okay. Yeah. It was supposed to be a green screen so I could replace the background, but it's clearly not big enough and it's not green enough. So, So it is. At least it's covering my closet. <laughs> All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We say our memory verse for this week. When the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Titus 3, verses 4 through 5. All right, our psalm is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his ru kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, 
his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord all his works. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our first reading today is from Isaiah chapter 7. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. All right, maybe a little catechesis on this text. Uh, we talked about it, I believe, uh, when we had this attached to the Matthew 1 text last week. Uh, or maybe I didn't talk about it. Uh, we have the indication of uh, the Lord speaking to Ahaz, the Lord by his, presumably by his prophet, speaking to him and asking uh, Ahaz um, to give a sign, or rather that the Lord give a sign. What would he ask? And the sign Here's the thing with signs in the Bible. Signs are attached to promises. It's not always immediately apparent, uh, but the sign is not the thing. <laughs> the sign is abstract, it's metaphorical, if you like, or it's to point rather to the promise, which is the actual thing, the gift, right? Um, so think about the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper. The bread and wine aren't the thing, although they are the sign, but they're the sign of the reality, which is Christ's body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, which you receive in your mouth. Um, same thing with baptism. Uh, the, the water is just a, is a sign of the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, the new life given um, in Christ Jesus. Right? Same thing here. The sign is a virgin conceiving and bearing a son. right? But the promise is what? Let's see if you can catch it. It's actually in his name. The promise is, is in his name, Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? So the sign is that the virgin conceives and bear a son, which the shepherds came and found, as well as the magi, right? But what did they see? Just like Simeon and Anna in uh, the temple, they see that God has visited and redeemed his people. They see in the child born of Mary the sign that he is the fulfillment of this promise that God will be with his people and will not leave them or forsake them, all right? So you see how the promise is attached to the sign. You see the sign, you see the babe in the manger. You're meant to see in him the reality, that is, the promise. And God is now with his people, and he's come to redeem them, right? Which we uh, prayed for in the psalm, actually, just a minute ago. All right, so there's a little bit on sign, and uh, I, I got to think of Augustine's definition here in Latin. It's race and signa, right? So signa being sign and race being uh, reality, the thing, right? So we always want to remember not the sign, but the thing, right? And of course, Jesus is both the sign and the thing, <laughs> the virgin conceiving. Um, that's God visiting his people to redeem them. All right, Luke 1, the Annunciation. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and said, and, and considered what manner of greeting this was. 
Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and now this is the the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. All right, so you can see right at the beginning, uh, maybe this helps explain why Mary was confused. Uh, Mary, presumably, and I think it's safe to presume, knowing the scriptures, uh, when she hears the greeting from the angel Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel, um, it confuses her. Because, what does he say? Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Emmanuel, right? God is with you. Blessed are you among women. All right, and she knows she's a virgin, right? And of course, Luke has already indicated that in verse 27, right? So you see uh, why she was greatly troubled at this saying. Uh, Because um, all women uh, have been looking forward to the birth of the Messiah and looking forward to the fulfillment of this promise made to Isaiah or made in Isaiah to um, Ahaz, uh, fulfilled immediately for him, but certainly looking forward to the Messiah. Uh, Remember that God had also attached um, to the birth of a firstborn male uh, that there would be sacrifices made. We'll see this with the presentation of our Lord on uh, this coming Sunday, right, after Christmas. And that was meant to also remind um, every woman, uh, when she gave birth to her firstborn son, of the promise that is to come the seed of the woman, right? Who would crush the serpent's head. So she's greatly troubled, knowing that she's a virgin, but also that the Lord is with her. Uh, I think she's starting, I think there's already mental triggers going off here, and that's the reason why she's so troubled. All right. Um, Now, we're going to confess the second article of the Catechism, but one of the things that I would encourage you to do, if you don't already have one, is to get a book of Concord. I've used that frequently for our Saturday uh, congregation of prayer. I think I'm going to link to it in the show notes here. Um, book of Concord, or it's called Concordia, actually. There's, you can call it either. Um, is available at a discount right now. I'm thinking Concordia Confessions. And uh, the book of Concord has many of our Luther, Lutheran confessions in them. Um, including the small catechism with woodcut pictures. Uh, No, it's not on sale right now, but that's okay. You should still get one. Never mind whether it's on sale or not. I'll link it here in the description below if you're watching the video. Um, The Book of Concord also includes the large catechism. Now, you can buy the large catechism separately, um, but just get the whole Book of Concord. Then you have all of our confessions, uh, which I refer to frequently. The large catechism was uh, written in particular to help Um, heads of household, namely fathers, teach the small catechism to their children. All right, so maybe, uh, you know, your catechesis at this point, you know the small catechism very well, you learned it as a youth, 
you've been refreshing that through our congregation of prayer each day, and you'd like to um, expand upon what you've learned there and see how uh, what additional teachings maybe are attached to each part of uh, the six chief chief, uh, chief parts. So we're going to do that today. And again, this was given uh, for for fathers to teach their children. Uh, this is a, I think, an unfortunate thing that has happened in our churches is that we have neglected, um, or rather delegated, I should say, and neglected then, um, the responsibility of, of parents to teach their children the faith. We've delegated it to pastors. We delegate, delegated it to our day school teachers. Um, if you have a Lutheran day school, we've delegated it um, to the synod, to the district. Right? Um, and I think there's a lesson to be learned here, actually, from national politics. <laughs> um, I sent a flurry of a Facebook posts today that'll probably go away uh, shortly, but uh, about the national spending bill and, uh, and also the uh, COVID relief bill and then the Defense Authorization Act. Um, three bills that all get all got passed here at the end, or are getting passed here at the end of the year. Um, and I think the lesson that we can learn from them, looking at uh, what we call pork barrel spending, right? Just rampant government spending, is that the government isn't probably the, the national government isn't probably the best people um, to put in charge of many things and uh, to delegate um, spending authority, for example. Uh, and uh, this is a principle uh, that came out of Roman Catholic ethics, actually, uh, called the principle of subsidiarity. Yeah, there's woodcuts with the small catechism uh, in the middle of, of, the, of that edition of the Book of Concord. Okay, um, subsidiarity. Subsidiarity just says um, that generally um, the smallest or the localist um, government is going to be the most effective, right? And you know this. You don't need the church to tell you how to raise your children. You're, you're going to be, you're equipped by the Holy Spirit through God's word, to be the most effective of that um, in your own household, for example. You don't need the state telling you how to act responsibly. Um, they can inform you. They can uh, provide data. They can call information in a way that maybe you can't individually, right? But as far as what's going to be the best practice for you in your local place, um, at least according to um, this principle of sub subsidiarity, it's best that it be done um, individually, right? Same thing with like, um, I don't know, like uh, vaccine ethics, right? So whether or not you should take a vaccine, the best place for that to be, to be considered is actually each individual person um, to consider the risks, uh, the benefits, um, compare uh, maybe side effects of the, of the vaccine versus uh, the potential of the disease for you particularly. Maybe you're very susceptible. Maybe the vaccine then is, makes, a makes sense for you. Whereas maybe you're not susceptible or you're, you're not um, likely um, to develop symptoms or even uh, or, or die, then maybe the vaccine doesn't make sense for you, right? And it's best that, that you do that individually. All right. Same thing happens in the church, right? We don't need the synod to tell, uh, you don't need the synod to tell you what to believe. You don't really need the district to tell you um, how to act and how to behave and how to be a Christian or even how to be a Christian congregation. The congregation um, has been given the wisdom and God's word and reason and sense that they can actually manage their affairs pretty well, all right? Uh, obviously, the synod and dis district have agreed to certain things that we share in common, that we do in common, right? But it's, it's, it's fairly minimal, actually. Um, but it's so the same, it's actually not my job, and it's not the congregation's job to tell you how to raise your children. We can provide wisdom, guidance, um, but ultimately, that's your responsibility as parents, for example, all right? Um, so the same thing goes with teaching the faith. And uh, it's a constant frustration of mine is that uh, parents, in particular, 
dele- delegate that authority away from um, themselves onto teachers and pastors. Uh, we're we're meant to come alongside and assist them in that role, right? And the the um, the reason for that is actually um, children. Uh, well, <laughs> one God's word actually tells um, parents to instruct their children, so that's the first point. And the second point is actually practically. Um, it's going to be most effective in the home because you can do it daily. You can do it morning and evening, maybe. Um, and your children trust you in a way that they probably don't trust their pastor or their teachers. Okay. All right. So large catechism, and we're going to look at the second article, which is our catechism for this week. So how about we uh, confess the second article first from the small catechism, and then we'll go look at the large catechism. All right. Uh, Second article, I believe in Jesus Christ. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. All right. So uh, if you were teaching your children, the first thing you would do is learn the words, right? And learn them by heart, right? So you can recite them um, by memory. The second step would actually be um, to define the terms, right? So to go through the, uh, the explanation there and talk about what, is, what does it mean that he is uh, the Christ or that he's begotten of the Father or what is eternity? Um, what is it to be born of the Virgin Mary, right? And without getting too uh, graphic, right? I mean, you can certainly talk about the anatomical, uh, miraculous character of that. Uh, what does it mean that he redeemed you? What does that word redemption mean? Um, and so forth, right? You can do that. And that's what Luther does in the large catechism. He helps parents define those things. So let me get to it here. I'm not going to be able to put it on the screen for you. Uh, or rather I'm not. So you're just going to have to listen, but that's okay. Here it is. All right. So this is article two, right? Um, second article from the large catechism. And here's Luther's words on this. And it's not, it's not a long explanation. Here we learn to know the second person of the Godhead. We see what we have from God over and above the temporal goods mentioned above in the first article. We see how he has completely poured forth himself and withheld nothing from us. Now, this article is very rich and broad, but in order to explain it briefly, also, and in a childlike way, we shall take up one phrase and sum up the entire article. As we have said, we may learn from this article how we have been redeemed. We shall base this on these words in Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? So the question that Luther's going to answer in the large catechism is what does it mean to be redeemed? And he's going to base it on those words, in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if you are asked, presumably by your children, right, what do you believe in the second article about Jesus Christ? Answer briefly. I believe that Jesus Christ, God's true Son, has become my Lord. But what does it mean to become Lord? Right, so there's this dialogue going on. It is this. He has redeemed me from sin, from death, or from the devil, and from death, and from all evil. For before I did not have a Lord or King, but was captive under the devil's power, condemned to death stuck in sin and blindness. And then the editor says, see Ephesians 2. For, all right, so that's the end of the dialogue. For when we had been created by God the Father and had received from him all kinds of good, 
The devil came and led us into disobedience, sin, death, and all evil. See, so we fell under God's wrath and displeasure and were doomed to eternal damnation, just as we had merited and deserved. There was no counsel, help, or comfort until this only and eternal Son of God, in his immeasurable goodness, had compassion upon our misery and wretchedness. He came from heaven to help us. John 1. So those tyrants and jailers are all expelled now. In their place has come Jesus Christ, Lord of life, righteousness, every blessing, and salvation. He has delivered us poor, lost people from hell's jaws, has won us, has made us free, editor says Romans 8, and has brought us again into the Father's favor and grace. He has taken us as his own property under his shelter and protection, so that he may govern us by his righteousness, wisdom, power, life, and blessedness. Let us, or let this then be the sum of this article. The little word Lord means simply the same as Redeemer. I should say that again. The little word Lord means simply the same as Redeemer. It means the one who has brought us from Satan to God, from death to life, from sin to righteousness, and who preserves us in the same. But all the points that follow in this article serve no other purpose than to explain and express this redemption. They explain how and by whom it is, was accomplished. Right, So he's talking about the rest of the second article of the creed itself, the text of the creed itself, not his explanation. Um, they explain how, it, how much it cost him and what he spent and risked so that he might win us and bring us under his dominion. It explains that he became man, was conceived and born without sin from the Holy Spirit and from the Virgin Mary so that he might overcome sin. Further, it explains that he suffered, died, and was buried so that he might make satisfaction for me and pay what I owe, not with silver or gold, but with his own precious blood. See 1 Peter 1. And he did all this in order to become my Lord. He did none of these things for himself, nor did he have any need for redemption. After that, he rose again from the dead, swallowed up and devoured death. The editor says 1 Corinthians 15. And finally ascended into heaven and assumed the government at the Father's right hand. He did these things so that the devil and all powers may or must be subject to him and lie at his feet. Until finally, at the last day, he will completely divide and separate us from the wicked world, the devil, death, sin, and such. To explain all these individual points does not belong to brief sermons for children. (laughs) That's true. That belongs to fuller sermons that extend throughout the entire year, especially at those times that are appointed for the purpose of treating each article at length. Right? So this is coming up for Christ's birth, his sufferings, his resurrection, ascension, and so on. Right? So we're going to hear um, texts over Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, into the, uh, the remainder of the Christmas season, into the Epiphany season, that explain who Jesus has, is and what he has done for us. Right? So over the next you know, months, actually, you'll be hearing the second article explained to you in sermons, just bits and pieces of it, right? Uh, But cumulatively the whole. Yes, the entire gospel that we preach is based on this point, that we properly understand this article as that upon which our salvation and all our happiness rests. It is so rich and complete that we can never learn it fully. To which I agree. I preached a sermon yesterday um, from... Uh, re-preached, I guess, from Dr. David Scare, uh, who is one of my uh, seminary professors, probably almost retired. I mean, he's 80-something, so 
he's pretty much done. Um, it was an excellent sermon that he preached at the seminary that's probably a little too heady for most congregations, um, but he makes a connection between the wounds, uh, which he shows Thomas, because yesterday was St. Thomas Day, and um, beholding Jesus in the, in the cradle. I thought it was an excellent connection. All right. All right, in the interest of time, let's continue here with our daily prayer. On this Tuesday, we pray for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We pray the Lord to watch over and help all who are in danger, necessity, and tribulation, that he protect and guide all who travel, especially over these holidays, that he grant all women with child and all mothers with infant children increasing happiness in their blessings, that he defend all orphans and widows and provide for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Today we pray with all those who uh, rejoice, especially Whitney in her birthday, uh, Margaret and Shirley in their baptism birthday. We pray for those who are ill and undergoing treatment and recovering, especially Marcella, Jan, Kelsey, Reverend Herzog, Billy Joe, Brad, and Janet, Timothy, Pastor Lindau, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, Penny, and Roman, as well as his family. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray for those who are homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. Pray for our, all the missions and mercy work of our church, especially a place of refuge and Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. All right, we pray our collect for this week. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come and help us by your might that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week, stanzas one and two. This will be our hymn for Christmas Day, I believe. Lo, how a rose air blooming. Prophets, Lord. 
That concludes our congregation of prayer for today, December 22nd, 2020. So good to have you with us all here today. You can join us again tomorrow morning for our congregation of prayer. Um, no, no Wednesday evening service this week, but of course Thursday evening uh, we'll have divine service as well as um, Friday morning. So you have a couple opportunities to join us yet for Christmas. And then, uh, of course, Christmas Day, or excuse me, the first Sunday after Christmas is Sunday. And you can join us then at 930. So I look forward to seeing you again in the morning and we'll continue to prepare ourselves to receive our Lord's incarnation. Lord be with you all. We'll see you soon.